0: So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 230 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with David Honeyman. David lives in Newberry, which is in the UK, and it is five miles from the location of Downton Abbey. So all of us who have watched that series, I've watched it twice (laughs) before we started. David told me that anytime someone comes to visit, they always want to go to see Downton Abbey and I would be the same. He is in IT development and management, but now is transitioning to a new role as a health coach, which I can't wait to talk about. So welcome, David.
1: Thank you, Jen. It's great to be here. Looking forward to our chat.
0: Well, you know I love to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll take you back to 2015 then for the what brought me here. Before then, I hadn't heard of intermittent fasting at all. So 2015, this was a particular moment in my life. It was like the light bulb moment that we speak about, the eureka moment. So for my job in IT, I travel to different clients in different European countries countries different european cities and that's been a regular occurrence up until the pandemic obviously when that had to stop so you know i've traveled to paris rome munich wherever to visit clients this particular time in 2015 i was in vienna what a great city i'm sure that many of your listeners will have been or if they haven't then they they should go it's a beautiful place i come in vienna to visit one of my clients one of my employers Clients. And naturally enough, then the employer pays for me to have an expensed hotel, very nice, you know, five star hotel. I stay there one or two nights and go see the clients. So, this particular hotel, as normal, they offer a wonderful meal, evening meal. It's all expensed, paid for. You can't refuse it. It's such a lovely meal, top class, three course meal, wine, all that stuff. I might have sometimes a colleague with me, sometimes I'm alone. I was alone on this particular trip. Yeah, that's all great. You know, take advantage of that. Very nice. Next morning, what happens? You wake up, go downstairs, restaurant, and the table is groaning. (laughs) (laughs) How can you
0: refuse? I know. I mean, that is really, if it's a great hotel breakfast and it's included, that's a struggle for a lot of people. How do you say no to a delicious included
1: breakfast, right? Exactly. It would be, you know, not polite to to turn it down. So, of course, I would go in and and have the breakfast. I'm not talking about coffee and croissant, that we're talking, you know, the the full range, because it's exquisite, exotic stuff that I wouldn't normally eat at home. And so that's what happens in hotels. So I didn't need any of that food, did I, from the previous meal last night? And I kind of knew that. I don't really need this, but okay, I will have to eat it. (laughs) <laughs> not so much of a hardship especially some of the hotels in Italy where I've been to like like the the breakfast is all more like a work of art really
0: I can imagine
1: and, yeah anyway so I had the breakfast and uh, then of course then you've got to get in the taxi go and get ready get in the taxi let's go see the client so tr- turn up at the client's place it's a big office and they're waiting for me and you know they've been expecting my visit they're expecting big things so that they can influence their relationship with my employer and they want to know some stuff. Uh, show me in. Hello, Mr. Honeymoon. Oh, please come in. Bonjour, monsieur. Buongiorno. Please sit down. Oh, oh so nice to see you. You must have a coffee. Okay. Oh, and we have some special treats for you. We've got some Viennese Whirls, some fancies. Sure you'd like one of these. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I can't really turn this down. It was just a way of life. But I wasn't even thinking, this is terrible. This is just the way it is. And this is a normal visit, nothing untoward so far. On this visit that sticks in my mind, really stands out, was the, the hotel room. So here I am the next morning and wake up, go into the, the hotel bathroom and for a shower, etc. And on the, in this particular bathroom, there was a wall-to-wall mirror wall to wall you know like wow that's quite impressive not that I noticed it at first but I'm standing ready to get in the shower and I happen to take a glance at myself just that's because that's how the room was positioned and my reaction to myself was surprising because my instant reaction was look away I must look away
0: what's wrong with this mirror
1: (laughs) and I thought wow I've looked away why have I looked away and of course, I've looked away because I know subconsciously that I'm overweight. Not only that, I don't like it.
0: That's funny that you mentioned that you tell that story because you've probably heard me talk about the cruise that I took in 2014. That was my really my my rock bottom with my weight moment. There was a big mirror in that bathroom as well, and I had a very similar moment. We were in a suite. It was really nice, sweet. We had a fancy bathroom on that cruise and big, big mirror, same exact thought. And then it was the photos from the cruise that really did me in. But I had that same mirror moment, so I totally get it.
1: Okay. Well, you know, it, it kind of struck me and I was dismayed to say the least, not just because I knew I was overweight, but because of my reaction. I thought, what is wrong with me? Surely I, I know that my years are advancing. By this time, I was in my late 50s. And what do you expect? myself but i thought no no i expect more than this i don't expect to just get older and to gain weight i don't accept this what can i do i have no idea what what i can do maybe i've got to eat less you know the usual reaction i'll have to eat less i suppose i don't know how i'll do it but that was the moment so what happened subsequently came home came back to work went into the office there was a colleague a lady there colleague who I knew quite well from work. We hadn't ever kind of spoken much socially, but it was pretty obvious to anybody that she had significantly reduced her weight. And she was looking very well indeed. And I thought, you know what, I'll just have to ask her. And the coffee machine, there she was. I said, hi, and uh, paid her a compliment. You're looking really well. But may I ask, you look as if you've lost a little bit of weight. You know, I'm just kind of playing it down. How have you managed that? And she said to me, those two immortal words, she just said, intermittent fasting.
0: <laughs> wow. I love it. It's hard to ask somebody that, isn't it? You're like, you know, I remember I told this story on the podcast as well. My coworker, who was a male, that after I lost 75 pounds, he was like, did you lose a little weight? I Forgive me for asking. He wasn't sure. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right, 75 yeah. pounds. But I, I, you know, it's just he wanted to acknowledge, I guess, that it, I had yeah. changed, but he didn't want to offend me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That's but
1: exactly so she, how said, I was. Yeah. she
0: said, intermittent fasting.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I'd never heard of it. And I'm like, excuse me, what? And then she then proceeded to explain to me what she was doing, which was based on the 5 2 diet by Michael Mosley. So I'm like, okay, that that sounds interesting, but uh, fasting put me off. The word fasting put me off. Like, Fasting, that sounds pretty severe. But she said, look, it's not that bad. Five days, you can eat whatever you want, but two days, you're down to 500 calories. I think it was 600 in my case because I'm male.
0: Yeah, but I think men get a little bit of that extra 100 calories.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. I thought, okay, great. And she said, you should try it. You should try it. Come on. Not that she was referring to my weight, but I knew I was overweight and I'm unhappy. And so she encouraged me. So I thought, okay, I better get the book. So I got the book. get gets the book and read the Michael Mosley book. And sure enough, I thought, you know, that that sounds doable. I can I can do that. And I determined, I think within a couple of days, I'm going to start. Okay, this is the day. I'm going to start tomorrow. And how am I going to do it? And I planned it out. I worked out how many calories would be in, I don't know, a couple of boiled eggs, I think it was, to start. 140.
0: Isn't it funny that I know yeah. that? Two boiled eggs <laughs> is 140. Right. You're right. I it know. <laughs> <laughs> I, out of my brain, egg 70, which is so funny because, I mean, every egg is not 70 calories, I'm sure, but that's the number we've got.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So what I knew, well, I decided I would start this, but I distinctly remember the evening before, before I went to sleep and I, knew I was going to be doing it. And I, you know what? I felt scared. I was like, how am I going to do this? I've never done this in my life before. So you
0: had never dieted or done any kind of, yeah. No,
1: not that I'm an overweight guy. You know, I've never had severe issues with weight. At that time, I then thought, well, I better start weighing. So I weighed myself that day before. And I was like 84 kilograms. What's that in pounds? It's like 185 pounds. And I'm five foot, like five foot nine, five foot 10. It's not severe, but it's still enough that I'm concerned. But I distinctly remember feeling like scared. How am I gonna do this? Sure enough, I did it the first day and I thought, okay, I've managed, it's fine. I can do that and I've got do this two days per week. And you know what, I went on to that lifestyle. I did it. And I probably followed that for 18 months. But I'm a kind of data kind of guy. I know that a lot of people including yourself are not, not scale people. I love the scales. And I'll go on a scale every morning.
0: I did use the scale as a tool, of course, my entire weight loss journey and for the whole first year of maintenance, just to see that I could do it. And I only stopped when I started to have dieting thoughts. Whenever my weight would fluctuate upward, I would get panicked and want to, I was like, now I need to diet. And then I was like, What well, but it all went, that was the only reason I stopped is I couldn't handle the fluctuations of maintenance. So right, I'm not I anti-scale. It, yeah. I just can't do it now.
1: No, I understand. Yeah, that's fine. For me, it works great. But anyway, I thought I'll I'd, I'd get on the scale and I'll write a spreadsheet and I'll start recording this. Uh, and I'll just see what happens because I wasn't really convinced because I thought, hang on, for five days, I'm going to be stuffing myself, right? Because I'll be so <laughs> hungry.
0: And that's not what happened, right?
1: Well, that's not what happened. I, I just ate normally for the five days. For the two days, yeah, I, it was a challenge. I could do it. It wasn't as if it was difficult, but I did not like those days. I'll Start with a couple of eggs. And then I used to plan a reduced calorie meal that I would get from the store. And it would tell you on the front of the packet, this is like total 300 calories or whatever, or even less, actually less than that. And I knew that that's what, that was my evening meal and, and there was going to be nothing else. I could manage it. Sure enough, the weight started coming off. And I was utterly amazed. I, wow, I weigh less. I can't believe it. I wasn't too happy with the days. And the reason I wasn't happy with the days was because when you restrict calories, you feel miserable. Now, is that miserable because it's emotional or is that miserable because of, of your metabolic state? Possibly both. But yeah, I wasn't too happy. In fact, it wasn't just miserable. I was cold. <laughs> I was cold and I was probably... I would feel kind of tired as well. So overall, it wasn't great, but I thought, you know what? It's working. I'm writing this spreadsheet, and I kept looking at the spreadsheet thinking, wow, this is amazing. Showing the figures with, with a friend and look at this. Just one person I was sharing this data with. So look at this is coming off. And I remember getting down to 76 kilograms. That's probably like a 165 pounds. Yes, so I'm, I'm doing the math pounds.
0: here. I have my Google out. So let me, you said 76. So that would be, oops, that's 167 pounds. By that point, you had lost about 20 pounds. For our American pound people, 84 kilograms at the beginning is 185 pounds, and you got down to 76 kilograms, which is 167 pounds.
1: Yeah, now that was just midpoint. I was going to go lower, but at that point, for some reason, I thought, "Wow, 70." I think it's because it was 20 pounds, and I'm like, "That's incredible!" And I was feeling it in my clothing sizes. You know, I I started having to tighten my belts, and I, I think I probably had to had to buy some new clothing because the other didn't quite fit; it was too big. So that was all all good news, and I was very happy with that. So I kept on doing it, and in fact, I got right down to 72 kilograms, which I think is about 158 pounds, but that's in like a year and a half, but I was still feeling miserable. In fact, I, I, what happened was, i I read the book, I think I reread the Michael Mosley book, listened to some of his podcasts. I kept thinking, I can't keep doing this the rest of my life. I don't want to, it's making me miserable. I don't like this. You didn't like so those ha- two
0: days of a week. Those two days a week just were not feeling good. That's
1: right. Not happy at all. So then Michael Mosley spoke about, well, you can do maintenance. You can drop it to six, one. i I'm like, yay, I can go to six, one. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'll do that. I'll go to six, one. It's maintenance, at least. And by this time, I'd got down to 72, 158 pounds. I thought, I'll be happy. I'll be happy with that. And so I go to maintenance. But you know what? Psychologically... At that point, I gave up. Maintenance sounds great, but I didn't really. I, it was half-hearted. And I got to some weeks, I thought, I can't be bothered with that one day. I'm just going to eat normally. I just gradually abandoned it, really, which I think is the case with all diets, which are really calorie restricting.
0: Yeah. I want to pop in there for anyone who's not ever read Michael Mosley's work. I actually followed 5-2 Michael Mosley style back in the day as well. And there's no mention about, of course, clean fasting, and it's only restricting the calories. And if you do it that way, the Michael Mosley way, you really are, uh, quote, allowed to have anything you want during those, what he calls the fasting days. We refer to them now in the intermittent fasting community as down days. But during those down days, those two days a week, you could have diet sodas, you could have anything zero calorie you wanted. And you could even like start with like one boiled egg at eight in the morning and eat another boiled. Egg. I mean, you could like stretch out the 500 calories. Little did we know or realized all those things made it harder and made it miserable. If you were just fasting clean, it's actually so much easier. But it just when you're when you're doing that, you really are doing a low calorie diet two days a week. He calls them fasting days, but they're basically just a low calorie diet because you're not fasting clean. And it was hard. I remember the same thing, how hard it was. And you white knuckled it. And then you get to the point where, you're like, I just, I hate this. I can't do it anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're absolutely right. It was very hard to do. I, w- I was hungry and wanted to eat. I'm sitting at my desk at work thinking, I've got to eat, but I was forcing myself not to do so. And of course, of course my work colleagues are saying to me, "Oh, you know, they were bringing in in sandwiches or, or some cakes on special days," and I'm like, "Oh, it's I can't." It's my, and, and then it would become a joke in the office. Oh, he can't have any cake; he's not eating. I'm like, "Oh, sorry, guys, I'm really downcast." But it worked, you know. So I got down to the seventy-two, but then the maintenance kind of floated away, and then for the next two years, I think I just abandoned it. But I just thought I'll try to be. I'll try to be good and not gain too much weight and eat sensibly. But I was still eating breakfast and a mid-morning snack and all that stuff. And of course, then the weight just gradually came back on, which eventually alarmed me because I got back, I think, to 78 kilograms. I thought, you know, this is just going to go back to where it was. I've got to do something else. What on earth can I do? Now, at this point, I think the previous lady who advised me wasn't with the company anymore. couldn't ask her. So I thought, well, you know, I just have to, to do some more research. But I know that Michael Mosley had, had talked about intermittent fasting, but I didn't know where to go. But I went on the internet to have a look. And the very first one I found was a book by Terence Keeley. And the book is called Breakfast is a Dangerous Meal.
0: Oh, that's, I've never heard of this book.
1: Right. I just came across it. And I looked at the title and I thought, how ridiculous. That's not a dangerous meal. That is completely, I think I bought it just to read it to see what kind of lunacy this guy was talking about. Because I was definitely a breakfast guy. You know, I, not that I, I eat a big cooked breakfast, but I, you know, I'm of Scottish descent and, and I love porridge. Right. Porridge is my thing. Yeah. But I have porridge.
0: We're Scottish too, by the way, my family. I'm what a
1: Calhoun. You? Oh, marvelous. How good to know. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Which part of Scotland are you from? I
0: can't remember. Wherever the Calhouns were, that's where we're from. (laughs) I've looked it up before, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. I've never been there, but I would love to come and visit. I didn't understand. I just learned recently. I had always heard we were Scotch-Irish, and I thought that meant mixture of Scottish and Irish But then my stepmother just told me recently, no, that means that you were Scottish. And then the family went to Ireland for a while before coming to America. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes more sense. So Scottish Irish is really Scottish anyway.
1: (laughs) Okay. Just a little tip there. There Scottish is correct. Scottish is correct, but you can't say Scotch because that's a drink.
0: Okay. Well in America we just say all kind of things wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we say Scotch Irish. I think we do, but that would be wrong. And I guess a Scotch Irish would then be an Irish person who likes to drink Scotch.
1: That's correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? But I did live in, in Edinburgh for a while in my life and worked there and it researched my family tree. Yeah. So we're all from, from Fife, which is north of Edinburgh.
0: So breakfast is a dangerous meal was the book you were reading.
1: Yeah, I I have it. In fact, I've I've got it here on my Kindle, yeah. I got it to think, well, how can that be? I love porridge. I'm not going to give that up. In fact, I would often go to to have porridge at the store near my office. You know, I'd have porridge with honey, porridge with blueberries.
0: Is that what we call oatmeal when you say porridge? Okay, I
1: thought so. that's, That's exactly what that is, yeah. I can just show you a little bit about that book. In the foreword, this was saying that breakfast damages us in at least four ways. He talks about it increases your calories that you eat in the day it provokes hunger pangs and that's true you know i would eat the porridge but by 10 o'clock i'm sitting at my desk thinking wow i'm hungry and i'd probably eat some sweet biscuits or something with a coffee because i'm just feeling like hungry it's 10 10 a.m thirdly breakfast aggravates the metabolic syndrome which is a different topic of course but it's all about how healthy or how risky is your health if you've got metabolic syndrome. Are you at risk of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, dementia, all that stuff? And also, he made the point that if you eat breakfast, then that's generally a carbohydrate-laden meal. And, of course, that's what porridge is. Oats, it's absolutely carbohydrates, as well as putting the sugar with it with the honey. So I read that, that, and you know what? At the end of it, I thought, well, okay, I'll have to agree with him. (laughs) All right, it's dangerous, in which case I'm going to have to cut breakfast. How am I going to do that? (laughs) Because that means I've got I can't eat porridge anymore. But let's do some more reading. In fact, that's where I came across the first work by yourself. Now I don't mean your your book, that I don't deny. I do I do have that one, but I came across a book by Ryan and Kim Smith.
0: Okay, unbelievable freedom.
1: Absolutely, that's the one. I believe you wrote the foreword of that book, and I first saw that. And on the front of the book, they have a before and after picture of the two of them. And like everybody else, you think, no, that's not the same people.
0: They really do. They were transformed, weren't they?
1: Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, look, I'm not as overweight of that. You know, my highest weight has been 185 pounds. But nevertheless, if they can get down to be looking fabulous in like that, that's really how I want to look. And so I got that book and I read your foreword and I read their whole story and I was quite, quite, quite amazed by that. And really that's then now cementing my my journey into real intermittent fasting because I then got your book, Delay, Don't Deny. Like everybody else loved the title because here I'm. you're telling me and everybody else, look, don't deny. And I'd been denying on those two down days and I knew I didn't like it. I don't want to deny. So what's this idea about delaying? Okay, let's have a read of that. So there we go. That's my story of how I came to. Intermittent fasting.
0: I love that. I loved hearing the whole thing because, you know, a lot of us tried that five, too, and it it got us like we got the idea of what fasting was, but then it just wasn't quite right in execution. And now we understand why.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can I tell you what's happened since then?
0: Absolutely.
1: Here I am now back at 76, or was it 78? On one way back up, I then read Unbelievable Freedom, but then I read the method which you outlined in Delay, Don't Deny. By the way, since then, I've got your other books, Fast, Feast, Repeat, and Feast Without Fear. I've read that one as well. I've got The Cleanish, but I haven't read that one yet. And other books that I came across, Jason Fungbach's Life in the Fasting Lane. And he wrote that co-wrote that with Eve Mayer and, and Megan Ramos. Elizabeth Moore wrote about Omad. So I read all of these and I thought, this is something I can do because I want to see these benefits. I do want to understand how I can lose weight, but not feel as if I'm denying myself. So clearly put out there in your book, that message. So since then, I thought, I can do that. Let's start. Started doing that. So I started doing that when I was on at 78. Now, what do you think's happened since? That was probably, let's say, 18 months ago I started that. And I've been astonished at how much weight I've lost.
0: Wow! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> not that I... I've lost, you know, hundred and so pounds, like like some people have. What I currently am, what I was this morning, was just over 63 kilograms, which is like 139 pounds.
0: Wow. 63. Okay. That's dramatic. When you were doing 5'2 before, you know, yeah, rounds to 139 pounds. So you had gotten as low as about 159 with 5'2, but it was hard and you hated it. And now you're 20 pounds lower than your lowest with that. And you don't hate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's why I'm saying I'm astonished. I did not expect to then drop further. I thought, let me get back to 72. That would be great. Well, sorry, in pounds, you know, whatever, 158. I'm now 139. Wow. The great thing for me is it's it's not that I'm thinking I'm underweight. I know I'm not. Okay, I look slim now. It makes me happy. I can do this every day and it's a lifestyle. I can do it. in fact it's not a matter of it being so easy. It's a matter of well, I want to do this. Yeah. Absolutely want to do this.
0: Your body type is slim, but it's not underweight for you. Chad is the same way. He I mean, I don't know how much he weighs. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like one thirty nine. I have no idea how much he weighs. We don't even have a scale, but he's taller than you, but he's really, really lanky and always has been. That's just his body type. But it feels right. Your body doesn't just keep losing and losing and losing. Once you find the, the rhythm that feels right, you get somewhere and you stop.
1: That's right. So people ask me, of course, people are noticing, friends are saying, oh, you, you, you you're losing weight. Are you okay? Are you feeling okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. In fact, I've never felt better, to be honest. And they say, well, are you sure that have you lost enough? Are you, you going to gain a bit more weight? I always say, look, my body is telling me and I am actually reaching my optimum weight Optimum isn't just a figure I pluck out of the air. Optimum weight is what I know my body is telling me. I can feel that. It's true. I can see that. And to be honest, even at 139, I've got a little bit more to go (laughs) because I've got a little bit of visceral fat around the middle. It's not very much at all, but I know that will go just by maintaining my lifestyle of intermittent fasting, which is what I want to do anyway. I know that will gradually... Even, my, even if it takes another year, I think I'll probably lose another four or five pounds from the middle and I'll be happy with that.
0: Let's backtrack just a little bit. When you first started with the daily eating window approach, what did you start with and how has that evolved over time?
1: The daily eating window was initially just to cut the the breakfast and so working you know, the, the British thing at work is to is to go and get a, a sandwich, with whatever's inside meat, cheese, ham, whatever. Most people will buy that from the local store, eat that, eat that as well. Then I would come home and, and cook a meal and I may even have a, a snack after the meal later on. Healthy stuff, but, and yes, I'm achieving intermittent fasting but I'm not breakfasting. I was reading more and more, reading more and more. Uh, I had the books by uh, Jason Fung and I was looking at the podcast, listening to your podcasts, and looking at YouTube videos, et cetera. And and I realized that one option that could possibly work for me would be to go to OMAD,
0: Right. A one meal a day approach. Yeah.
1: One meal a day. And I thought, you know what? I probably could do that. I'm not even sure I need that sandwich that I'm eating at lunchtime. And it's bread, it's carbohydrates. And by this time, I'm getting the idea that I don't really need these carbohydrates. So why don't I just cut it? And why don't I try the approach that's outlined by gin and I'll just take a black coffee for lunch. So that's what I did. And lo and behold, I was fe- I felt fine. I thought, well, I don't feel hungry. I feel fine. I didn't even feel like I'm missing lunch. So by now, I'm missing breakfast and lunch. Just taking coffee, but I'm also taking the uh, tea, the mint teas, that kind of thing at work. Plus just uh, carbonated water, etc. And not feeling deprived at all. But by the time that three o'clock came around at work, or perhaps four, I would say, look, you know, I do need something. One of my favorite ways to open my, which is now a small window, is I take milk kefir. Okay. So fermented milk. And I'm really into fermentation. You know, I do at times eat sauerkraut and kimchi as well. But this was a great way to open one window. And I've done, I still do that every day.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's really that's really good for the gut. I would imagine if I were working outside the home and having like a little sandwich that I got somewhere, that would actually make me hungrier for the rest of the day. Yeah, wouldn't it? Just yes, it would. Right. Me, absolutely. I, I would be hungrier having a little, you know, kind of like that. Breakfast is a dangerous meal. Book how he talked about how yeah. it you know just gets you started for the cravings and wanting to eat more. That would be exactly what would happen if I had a sandwich midday.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember, I recall some years ago before I started this, I, I visited my friend in North Carolina and we were out and about, and I think it was lunchtime. And he said, okay, let's grab some lunch. And he said, we're going to Subway. <laughs> and, and I was like, "What Subway? So oh, it's, it's great. And he brought me out this like one foot long bread thing stuffed oh my with, Lord. with stuff. And I, I remember eating it thinking that is way too much bread.
0: That's a lot of sandwich right there, a whole foot long.
1: Yeah, uh, but it's the same thing in UK. People will eat sandwiches. And, and so I, anyway, that was my, my decision to drop that. and I found it really quite easy. So by this time, I'm transitioning to OMAD and reading about OMAD. I realize that a lot of people are doing a window. A lot of people are saying my window is, let's say, 12 until 6, which is what I had been doing with the sandwich and then the main meal. But I thought I'll cut this and I'll take it to three till six because I'll open it with the fear. And then once I get home, I'll have food prepared and I'll eat that. So essentially, I came up with a three hour eating, okay, thing, which is what I'm maintaining to this day. And to be honest, I probably couldn't even do it any other way. It just feels perfectly normal to me. It feels great. I feel happy. I don't feel hungry outside of those hours. I open the window. I think it's great. I'm going to have some food. And the best thing is when i explain to my friends look this is i because people can get worried and, and i say look i eat nutritionally dense food i probably eat as many calories as you do if not more i make sure i eat whole foods i eat very well there's no starvation there's no denying i'm really having great nutrition but guess what the side effect is weight loss.
0: Right. Right. The fact that you're keeping your insulin low throughout the day, your your body's able to tap into your fat stores as needed and you're feeling great and you have the great energy and then you eat, you put the nutrition in and you're not deprived. And that's the part that people don't understand. They equate, you know, an eating window with eating less or starvation or being, you know, feeling of deprivation, but it doesn't feel like that at all.
1: No, that's right, exactly. In fact, you mentioned their energy, right? And this is one of the spin-offs, isn't it? I think it's what you call non-scale victories, isn't it? There are other things that happen besides just losing weight. Yes, I've lost weight. And yes, by the way, I've been able to purchase a whole new wardrobe of clothes. And not just once, I've had to do that twice because <laughs> I've got lower than I expected. And I've just recently bought some more clothing because the rest didn't fit me anymore. But that's great. I could go shopping and have a great time. But the energy thing... now. In fact, I've got a little experience with that I could tell you about. Just to show the contrast, Like when I first started with my employer, that was 2010, and I'd been working in Switzerland and living in Switzerland, and I came back to live in the UK and started with a new employer. Now, that's not necessarily easy. It can be tiring. You start a new job. You've got new responsibilities. I had to move to a new town. You, know, you can kind of get a little bit tired, uh, fatigued, basically. And I remember I started, and the first week I was there, I I thought, well, I'll I'll have to walk into the town because I need need a new mobile phone. Let me take a walk into the town. It's only like 15 minutes away. So I I walked along, and I could see ahead of me a mobile phone shop, which I was making for. And suddenly, my energy crashed, just totally crashed. And for some reason, I I had to stop. And I thought, you know what? I can't even make it to the mobile phone store. I can't make it. I'm going to have to turn around and crawl back to the office and sit down and rest. And that's what I was forced to do. Now, whether that was a new job or what, I don't know. But I think it was also the fact that I wasn't aware of nutrition, correct nutrition. I wasn't aware of metabolic syndrome, all that kind of stuff. That never left me. I remember thinking, there's something wrong with me. Okay, I'm just getting older. That's the way it is. But you know what? When I think back, that was to do with not eating correctly, eating all day, snacking all day. Energy levels are low. Whereas if I'm fasting, I've got autophagy in play. I'm able to and ketosis, allow my body, yeah, and ketosis. I'm able to allow my body the time it needs to do the cellular repair and recovery and give me the energy because it doesn't have to think about processing food. Exactly.
0: You know, so many people will say something like, Well, I need to eat because I need my energy. <laughs> well, the digestion takes so much energy. I mean, I always use the analogy of lions, you know, look at lions after the kill, lions after they feast, then do they go out and run, run, run? No, they, they, they lie down, they sleep, <laughs> they, they sleep it off. I, we had a cat one time that ate a lizard. She ate the whole lizard except for the head because the head was right there beside her. And after she ate that lizard, she slept the whole rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, sure. We have to process the food, yeah,
0: which takes all of our energy. So, but when we're fasting, we just we have the great energy. We are in the process of moving right now. I can't wait for this podcast to come out because I will be done with the moving. But you know, we're packing up our whole lives here in Georgia and moving to South Carolina. I have great endurance for all the packing and all the moving and all the box hauling. And you know, I actually you can see it. the, The listeners can't, but look at my arm muscle. Look at that. That's I know because I'm doing all this in the fasted state. I'm lifting heavy things all the time. I can actually see my muscles are, are becoming more defined now that I'm actually, you know, moving them a little more <laughs> than normal with the work. But, you know, I can't imagine not doing it in the fasted state.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's more efficient. Now there's I've got a, a couple who are listening to my advice. They've been asking me how I'm doing this. And so I discussed it with them, went to their home, discussed it. And the fact that you've mentioned muscles has reminded me of this. So the wife said to me, "Well, I can't ask my husband to do OMAD or intermittent fasting because he'll have muscle wastage, and I couldn't possibly allow him to waste away." And I remember saying, "Our bodies are far more intelligent than that. Our bodies will never eat muscle before we take away all of the stored calories that our body has. And even a slim person will have at least 70,000 calories in store in fat storage in their body." And it's not going to go away and start eating muscle. It would take you months to get through, of not eating, to get through all of that stored energy that the body has.
0: I will say that let's imagine someone is not fasting clean and they're keeping their insulin high all day long. And we know that insulin, if insulin is high, it kind of locks away the fat stores and your body can't access it very well. In that scenario, I can imagine your body can't get to the fat very well because insulin is high then you you might actually your body be like, I gotta get energy from somewhere. But if we're fast and clean, insulin is low, our body is really able to access those fat stores. So I I think the clean fast is really in the magic right there for keeping insulin low, unlocking our fat stores, and preventing the muscle wasting that we really don't want to have happen. This podcast is supported by FedEx.
2: or text Wondery Pod to 500
0: You know, I love the analogy Jason Fung gives about the, you know, your body burning. What's your body going to burn? And it's like if it was a cold day and you needed to start a fire, would you use the firewood or would you chop up your sofa? I mean, which would you do? You're like, I'm going to use the firewood. That's what it's there for. And that was not my analogy. That was Jason Fung, but it's perfect. Now, if your firewood is locked up in a cage with a... You know, a lock that you can't get into, that would be like high insulin, then you wouldn't be able to access your firewood. But you need, you know, the insulin low, it's unlocked, you get to it, boom. Our bodies are not stupid. I even heard somebody say they, they were told by, I don't know, some medical professional that if you do fasting, it's going to eat up your heart muscle. I'm like, i that would be like the last thing your body would do.
1: Absolutely. that's a great analogy i'm I'm going to go back and see that couple because they do have a log store actually outside and that would be great to to repeat that to them yeah it would be great and therefore at the end of all of this i have great energy you know i'm not a young guy but i've got i don't experience that brain fog or that downer energy period during middle of the afternoon like i used to get at work sitting at the desk i have much more mental clarity now at my age than i did when i was a young man so it's working really well for me. That's something that's not just the weight loss, but it's the actual the health benefits that I'm seeing.
0: What other health benefits have you seen? I know you talked about no brain fog, no afternoon crash, but have you had any, any other health benefits that are more concrete that you have?
1: I have, yeah. I have indeed, I can tell you. One of them I expected, and one of them I didn't expect at all, and I'm astonished by it. So the one I expected was my sleep. I heard people say that this would improve your sleep. Now, you know, many people have problems with sleeping, don't they? And I think over the years, I've probably had some sleep deprivation. I haven't slept well or I was awake in the middle of the night. Basically, I wouldn't get enough sleep. And I think I was probably running on six hours sleep, which is really not enough, perhaps seven at times. Since I've been doing the OMAD, the the intermittent fasting, That doesn't happen anymore. All right. I may not sleep all night, but the total sleep, I can guarantee eight hours.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great.
1: Which is absolutely awesome. I absolutely love it. Eight hours, I feel wonderful. I feel alive. I get up. I go for a walk immediately. I've got a canal here near me, some waterway, the ducks and the geese and swans. Get outside, walk, feeling great after eight hours sleep. Well, several times I've had nine. I'm like, nine hours? Twice I've had ten. I'm like, come on, you can't sleep for 10 hours. But maybe my body wanted it for those two times and made me do it. I didn't don't set the alarm. I'm like, okay, I'm very happy with that. Because to me, sleep equates with with improving health, that your brain is processing, it's getting rid of, of toxins, it's building, it's reserves, it's, it's building its health. It's avoiding risky things like Alzheimer's perhaps quality sleep is really fundamental.
0: It really is important. I wrote about this in Cleanish that you mentioned that you have but haven't read yet. Sleep is actually a powerful self-cleaning time because you mentioned your brain clearing things out. We have our glymphatic system, not to be confused with the lymphatic system, which runs throughout the body and with our lymphatic fluid. But the glymphatic system is your in your brain. And when we sleep, that really cleans out the things and you're right it helps our brain health tremendously so it, we need to get that deep restful sleep
1: sure i hope that would happen and it has and I, I know it's fundamental to human health and i'm really happy that's happening to me every night i'm getting i'm getting 8 hours I'm really really happy with that so that brings me to the unexpected the next unexpected benefit and i've been astonished i didn't even think this would happen it wasn't even in my Expectation. I never thought about it. So I've suffered for the last 25, 30 years with tinnitus. Okay. In one ear. Clearly has been worsening with age. I was worried, you know, I think, well, this is getting quite bad at times. You know, it would come and go. It wasn't like it was a permanent thing, but it would come and go. Sometimes at night it was extremely loud. And uh, I would just think, well, this is just something that happens to humans as you get older. And I know there's no cure for that. I'll just have to just put up with it. And Hope it doesn't bother me too much in life. Okay, I was getting along like that. You know, you get used to this after 25 years. It's just part of your life. You can kind of tune it out almost, but it was still pretty severe at times. Even getting in the shower sometimes, I'd be like, ah, and it would really almost knock me out. About three, four months ago, I remember thinking to myself, just a moment, where's the tinnitus? I haven't heard that for a while. And then it came back a little bit, but now I'm monitoring it. I would say, My tinnitus is 95%. Wow. Gone.
0: That's amazing.
1: I'm astonished. And I can only put this down to the effects of improving health by doing intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, allowing autophagy to come all night, then a large part of the day. I think it's that. I don't know, of course. But it's a very, very welcome non-scale victory. That's amazing.
0: Chad has tinnitus on occasion and he finds it's connected to what he eats like if he has too much sugar or chocolate or even like he doesn't get it from dry farm wines red wines but he gets it from like a standard red wine he's like like, his ears will start ringing So certain things have you changed your your food choices at all or are the things that you're eating i have I have
1: indeed. So maybe you're, you're onto something there. By the way, I'll say tinnitus if that's well, the right weapon. Well,
0: I think you could say it either way. We're going to tinnitus, tinnitus, yeah, tinnitus.
1: sounds good be to me.
0: Tinnitus. I could be saying it completely myself. wrong, but I think we might oh. say tinnitus here in America or maybe everybody's listening saying, no, Jen, you're saying it wrong, but oh well.
1: No, no, I like it your way. I'm, I'm going to do okay. that from now on. But, but yes, you're right. I have. So going on to the intermittent fasting, of course, made me look more closely at my food choices. And when I went to elmat I thought, you know what, I can, I can go to keto, I can reduce my carbohydrates, I can increase my healthy fats, I and I can increase my healthy proteins. And I've done that significantly, significantly. In fact, I'm now, I think, probably more uh, on the carnivore diet than anything else. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. So you're, you're heavily into the meat.
1: Yeah, it's meat, seafood, dairy, cheeses, eggs. All that kind of stuff. So you know, people do think when you hear carnivore, it sounds bad. As if you're eating just meat. I'm not. I'm eating a, a ton of different types of stuff, but it's it's animal-based eating. That's right, it is, and very little carbs. I do have carbs occasionally. You know, if I go out with friends on a weekend and, and we're having some 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 carbs, I'm not going to say no. It's absolutely fine. No problem with that at all.
0: Well, then I want you to start making a connection there and seeing when you find the the foods that work really well for your body. Next time you have the tinnitus, see if that was when you had something that you don't normally have to eat, and see because Chad has really made that connection with what Is he that eats. Right? Well, that's yeah. really interesting. Wow. I mean, he'll be like, "Well, I shouldn't have had that, whatever it was," because now my ears Is are that ringing. Right? Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness, I'm going to be looking at that.
0: Well, it's like, like me with restless you'd... legs. You know, when I get if I have too much sugar, too much, you know, something like that, I get the restless legs. So, it it's just coming out in a way your body is telling you this is not working for me.
1: <laughs> Do you mean that if you had the sugar, you'd get the restless legs, I get restless well legs. that night?
0: Yes. That night. Well, or like, oh. like when, like when we're sitting, you know, after dinner and it's almost bedtime, we're watching TV together. I'll get the restless legs, and it's really hard to sit still. And what I'll do in that case, whenever that happens, I go hop on the vibration plate because the vibration plate takes care of that for me and it gets rid of the restless legs. If I don't do that, then when we get in the bed, I start with the restless legs and I'll fall asleep. But apparently I wiggle a lot because Chad will be like, stop, (laughs) stop, be still. I'm like, stop. I'm asleep. I can't tell. But it's funny. (laughs) It's not everything that causes it. Like, you know, I can eat ice cream and I'm okay. You know, I guess that has enough, you know, the fat with it to keep it from hitting my blood, you know, my blood and being like, you know, huge rise in blood glucose. But certain things would would cause it to be more of a problem.
1: And did you say that wine affects Chad as well for his tinnitus?
0: It depends on the wine. If he has like a really clean wine like the kind they have from dry farm wines he's okay but we had a bottle of wine that my financial guy gave to us at christmas time It was like here a merry christmas here's some wine you know i don't drink that kind of red wine at all i'm even very careful about dry farm red wines because i don't sleep as well with red wines even if they're really high quality i do better with whites but chad was like i'm gonna drink this wine and so he opened it and he had just a little tiny bit and then the next day he had it again and he's like there go my ears again so it was two oh, wow. nights in a row. Then we poured the rest of it out because he's oh, like, "I goodness. just, I, I can't drink this wine."
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I just drink red wine just on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should monitor that and see uh, just what's happening
0: there. And you probably have access to cleaner wines over there than we do here, because, for example, dry farm wines—they really, they don't make wine; they just source it, and there is no American wine that meets their criteria of not having additives. But in Europe, like, like most of their wine comes from Europe. And so I bet you can get some really clean European wines over there a lot easier than we can.
1: Yeah, sure. I lived in France and a number of years, so French wine is my favorite. Uh, you know, Chateauneuf, Pape, all this kind of stuff. Very nice, very nice. It's strong, but it's very nice. But I'll certainly monitor that.
0: See See if you I can like make a connection and see. see if and then, because I mean, that yeah. would be life-changing if you realize you could have, you know, 100% improvement if you just can connect it to what's giving you the trouble.
1: Wouldn't that be awesome, yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping to bring these suggestions to my clients because by the time I finish my diploma in London at the end of November, I'll be then able to give advice nutritionally. As a health coach, a lot of people, of course, are looking for that. A lot of people in in USA, same as UK, people go to see their their GP, their doctor, and, and they want some nutritional advice, but they can't get it. And so they're looking for people who can then give that extra coaching on how to improve their their health by nutrition. So that's what I'm hoping to do.
0: And so I imagine you're going to use intermittent fasting with your clients.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to keep that that quiet. I've got to perhaps review how you say that because you're not finding it. If you say intermittent fasting, some people react in horror at that
0: not phrase. No not so much. What I'll find is... I will get some people when I'll talk to them, like out on the street, you know, just someone, not, you know, that I meet that doesn't know me, and I'll mention intermittent fasting, and they'll say, "Oh, I tried that and it didn't work." That would be like you going back to that struggle that you had with five two, and if you had never tried it again, you might say, "Yeah, I tried that and I hated it." And you were basing all of your thoughts on that time when when you were doing. Of course, you weren't fasting clean. Oh, you were trying. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people they tried it and they always either weren't fasting clean or they didn't give it enough time. And so people might have that experience that you have to overcome. And you're like, well, I can explain to you why it was hard, you know, <laughs> and you can yeah, okay. you know try it again. So. Just keep that in mind if people give you pushback because that's the biggest thing I've found. Oh, yeah, I tried that and it didn't work. Okay. And I'm like, all right, well, tell oh, me what fine. you were drinking. They always say, well, I was having, you know, Powerade Zero. And I'm like, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's my best tip for you, for everybody who's listening. Ask them what they were drinking. They're like, well, I heard you could put almond milk in your coffee, so I did. I'm like, well, there you go. I mean, it's always There something. you go. There <laughs> you, you can't. Go, yeah. That's food. Don't have food.
1: Sure, exactly. Yeah.
0: So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that's fairly obvious for me. When I first started, and I first learned about it, I was scared. I thought, no, no, it's just, this is going to be so hard. I already decided in my mind, I'll never be able to do this. But if I had just but known, I would actually quickly, once I started real intermittent fasting, not be scared at all. I would actually come to love it. I absolutely love it. I feel so well doing it. That's what I would tell somebody. Look, you're going to feel so well. If you feel bad right now because you've got some issues with, I don't know, diabetes or whatever, you're going to feel great. Don't worry about it you will feel great and you will understand you'll be saying to yourself welcome to my new life that's what it will be welcome to my new lifestyle and that's what i say to myself so yeah that's my advice don't be scared be happy this is going to be great
0: and it'll change your life exactly sure well david i have so enjoyed talking to you and thank you so much for sharing your story today
1: thank you jen my pleasure
0: do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell Intermittent fasting stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.